Hello and welcome to Sweet Spot DFS. I have a DFS preview for you guys for the 2021 Mayakoba Golf Classic. Now, what do I cover in these previews? Well, I basically like to look at all of the historical data that I possibly can to provide some predictor or correlation to success at this tournament. I usually start with the bucket system, which is really looking at last year's results as well as last week's results for each year that this tournament's been played. I also like to look kind of at a salary analysis based off of what DraftKings has provided us over the last three years uh, when it comes to salaries for this tournament. And basically what I'm trying to uncover with that portion of my analysis is really trying to find our favorites doing well at this tournament. Should we be leaving money on the table when it comes to constructing lineups? That kind of thing. So. That's what I, I try to uncover and hope to try to figure out during that segment. Um, I'm also going to include kind of a newer segment to this, which is looking at recent form in a bucket sense. Like if you've been here before, you know of the bucket system, you know I like to use that. Before I even created that system uh, and presented it to you guys, I was actually looking at players in a recent form and course history bucket. Uh, I know that might be over the top, but I kind of want to see how this goes. See if it if it works out in these videos, because then I'll continue to provide them. Uh, and any feedback you guys have for me, let me know. L leave them in the comments, because I don't want to waste your time, um, and I don't want to waste mine, especially if you guys don't care to listen to that. So let me know, honestly. It, it would mean a lot. Um, you can find timestamps in the description. I also have chapter mode enabled, which is basically that little red progress bar on your screen. It's broken up into segments, quote unquote chapters, and those are built off of the timestamps. So in a, in a way you don't have to go to the description to find the timestamps. You can just look at that progress bar, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into the, uh, the spreadsheet. Now, I have the notes page up, which houses the bucket system. I do want to clarify something. Well, first of all, if you've never been here before and you don't know what the bucket system is, I will link a video right up there, top right-hand corner. I will also welcome you, you know, to the video. And please subscribe if you enjoy this content and leave a like. Um, I really hate doing that. You know, I, I, I don't like begging for that kind of stuff, but I feel like, you know... I need to start doing that a little bit. Um, the one thing about this tournament for this year is we didn't have a tournament last week. Uh, it was Thanksgiving break, obviously, in the United States. And that meant a week off for the PGA Tour. Now, that's not alarming per se, because last year we also had a week off where golfers did not play. Um, leading into this tournament. So we can kind of use last year's stats or last year's tournament as kind of a, I don't know what you want to call it, like a um, a template, I guess, to see how, how this tournament might shake out. If we go back 2019, 2018, 2017, we're going to see the week prior was a golf tournament that, you know, many golfers did play in prior to, coming to this tournament. So when we look at the bucket system, we can't use the last week bucket. Just can't. 
we're going to we're going to still talk about the last year bucket and again for those that really haven't been here before it's basically me capturing all of the finishing positions well i should say this it's me capturing every top 10 golfer for every year and what their finishing position was the year before and throwing them into the groups that they belong in. So first to 20, 20 to 40, 40 to 60, 60 to 80, 80 plus, which are your missed cuts, withdraws, DQs, that kind of thing. Um, they all fit into this bucket and then your did not plays. So first and foremost, the number one last year bucket, golfers who did not play. Um, and I did a quick analysis to see are these first timers or are these golfers who had played this tournament before but just didn't play it last year or the year before. And it's a mix, honestly. It's an equal mix between the two. So I would say, you know, don't get caught up on trying to be too cute with it. Just play your best plays, you know, of golfers who did not play last year. Now that bucket comes in at almost a 40% clip of all top 10s leading back to 2014, um, which is a considerable number. I also like to look at like the min maxes. So how few, I don't know if that's really the right term, but how less it's happened and how, no, that's not right either. <laughs> What's the minimum amount of times we have seen this bucket inside the top 10 for any given year? What's the maximum there? That was perfect. Um, and it's three for the minimum. That was last year. Now that's something important to note. Uh, we can always look to see how many golfers really fit into that bucket uh, and try to find, you know, based off of volume, is that the reason why we saw less? Or, you know, maybe it was just a different caliber of golfer. You know, it, it, all, it all depends uh, on what we see with that analysis. But I would venture to say, I would want to play somewhere around four or five golfers who had not played this golf tournament uh, the year before. And out of those, half of them have course history, half of them don't. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what golfers really show up because like, this is the strongest field we've seen in a very long time. If we, I don't have DraftKings pricing out. I created this video prior to um, probably not posting it until salaries come out and that's not really um that's really my own fault for not getting the video out sooner not creating this sooner but i don't have the salaries we can venture to think or or to say that justin thomas is probably gonna have the highest price tag brooks kepka might come in with the second or maybe tony finau or victor hoblin or even at abram answer like either of those golfers could have one of the higher price tags of ten thousand and above um, but I guess I kind of veered off, off, uh, subject there golfers who did not play it. It's a, it's a pretty interesting mix. Like we have Justin Thomas who didn't play last year, but has course history, you know, decent 23rd, not terrible, uh, but not really the greatest. We have Brooks who missed the cut. He had, he played here one time, missed the cut. Um, and then obviously we have like Will Zalatoris, who is a great, you know, up and coming golfer. He's worthy of a play. Daniel Berger is here who did not play last year, but has course history. We have a lot of compelling golfers. Um, 
even including Ricky Fowler, who has phenomenal course history, and no, he didn't play here last year. So, you know, it is a very interesting mix, and I guarantee you one of those golfers will finish inside the top 10. You know, if you had $100 or whatever, if you split it up and bet it on those four or five golfers I just listed for top 10 bets, probably wouldn't get your money back, but honestly, it's those golfers one of them will finish inside the top 10. Um, so now we kind of looked, I mean, here's a better way of doing this, really. Looking at golfers who did not play with the best recent form, you can see all the golfers here on the left side. Obviously, Ricky stands out. Uh, Daniel Berger, Brooks, Justin, uh, Thomas, that is. You know, Camilo Vijegas, maybe. Who knows? Maybe that was a, a flash in the pan. You never know. Um and some of the uh, first timers don't really have anything to to go with these guys. I'm not too worried about them. I'm not gonna think much of them. Uh, and I guess here are first timers as well. I don't know why it's split up like that, but we have Will Zalatoris. I guess it's worthy to to mention Kiradek and Alex Norin. So you know that bucket is gonna be pretty decent. So that was the last year bucket one golfers who did not play. Looks pretty good. Bucket two and bucket three are very close to each other. We have 13 golfers that uh, fit into bucket three over the last six years. We have 14 golfers that fit under bucket two over the last six years. So it's really close. That's 17%, 17.5%, and 16% respectively. Um, I shouldn't even say that because I don't think I did that in respective terms. But either way, those two buckets garner 33, almost 34% of top 10 finishes. And when you combine them all together, we have nearly 75%. Now, bucket four is very close right next to those, but I would, um, you know, I think these are kind of interchangeable. So finding a golfer who missed the cut last year or even finding two might be a good fill-in to go with last year bucket ones. Same goes with last year bucket three. All of these buckets all have a minimum of one. That doesn't mean you have to play at least one, but I, gosh, even bucket four is the same way. So those four buckets have at least one golfer in each one of them. So if you were pivoting, you know, maybe you start out with three in last year one, one or two in last year two, and one in last year three. I think that's where you start with a core, and then you pivot out to four, five, six. Obviously, you want to pivot out to four a little bit more. Um, maybe not so much, you know, constantly going with that, but that is an option. Um, I don't necessarily care, you know, about getting cute with buckets. I just like to use the percentages. So there will be some lineups where I'll have two or three last year fours in it. And then there will be, you know, a couple lineups where I'll have two or three last year threes. Now they may not include last year ones or last year twos. They may not but they probably will. I will definitely have, I think at minimum, three last year ones in my lineup. I will just start that way. So I'm probably going to be anchoring a lot of my lineups with Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka in the, in the sort. So it's just kind of showing you on, on screen the actual, you know, percentages that we've seen over the last six years. And that's kind of what my purpose is, is to provide a little bit of confidence to play certain golfers that you find interesting or not.
uh, or that you want to play. Just giving you a little bit more confidence or halting the brakes a little bit. So we will get into this in the strategy video, but I, I just want to point out, you know, looking at golfers who do not play is the number one priority followed by missed cuts and top 20s. And this is usually how it goes for every tournament that I cover. Those three buckets are always the top three buckets uh, for the last year bucket that is. So keep that in mind. Let's go ahead and get to the next part of the video, which is looking at, at, at salaries. Um, what this intends to do is to provide you guys a little bit of insight as to what you know the top five look like over the last three years or even just the top 10. And then I also have their, you know, the salaries from 15,000 down to six, how often, you know, golfers we've, or salaries we've seen inside the top 10 and salaries we've seen inside the top five. I will say this, uh, I just wanna double check something. Okay, we're good. I wanna make sure I have everyone accounted for. So 15 and we only have 15, perfect. It's a wide range. Um, I will say I I don't see many, you know, 10,000 and above golfers inside the top 10. In fact, I only see one. So when we're looking at this whole segment here for salaries inside the top five, really only one favorite uh, finished inside the, top ten, inside the top five. And really you can make that argument of that's the only way a top salary guy per, returns value. And probably the only way you win AGPP is if we see, you know, a high-priced guy inside the top five and also inside the top 10. So when we look at top 10, we can come over here and try to find, you know, do we see more golfers above 10,000? And the answer is no. Like, the favorites at this tournament have not done well. And who knows why that is? Maybe it's a a vacation destination that a lot of these guys come to. Um, you know, it, it, the golf course is fantastic. It looks like a, a very much resort style course. Could some golfers be coming here just for vacation? Absolutely. We don't know that. Um, it's worth mentioning though. That's why we're coming here and looking at these salaries uh, just to see, you know, the, the, you know, the perennial favorite for each year would be the top salary guy. And we don't see a lot of the top salary guys inside the top five or top 10, which is troubling. Like that's not a good thing to see. What's even more troubling, like this is the worst I've ever seen this. So I've just, I've, I've highlighted a, a cell on the spreadsheet that goes over the average salary inside the top 10. And that is looking at all of these columns over here that you can see that are lit up. Um, and again, what that does is it highlights the average salary inside the top 10. What, you know, when we create DraftKings lineups, it is 8,333, 8, um, uh, 8,333 is the average salary on DraftKings per player because we have six positions available, 50,000 with salary, that all equals, when you divide it into each other, $8,300, basically. When the number that is highlighted is lower than that 83, it means 
we don't need to use all of the salary uh, that that's provided for us when we create our lineups. Um, this is the lowest I've ever seen it. 7,700 is very low. And you can, you can obviously tell when you look at the top five salaries on the screen right now, uh, <laughs> 8,900 is the top salary underneath 11.8. And those are just two salaries out of 15 that are above 8,300. We have an 8,200 8, that won a tournament uh, in 2019. 8,000 shows up in 2020, but we have a ton of 7K and 6K golfers inside the top five. So I think if there, if history tells us anything about this tournament, and maybe DraftKings has shorted up, um, well, tightened it up, I guess, figured out the right salaries for some of these top price guys, um, I would say, I, uh, well, unless they've done that, the favorites shouldn't be looked at as the favorites. I know that's kind of weird to say, and it's maybe not the correct thing to say, but it's really hard to basically invest, you know, your salary on DraftKings towards golfers above 10K. This might be a great time to actually create a lineup with, you know, anchor it with an $11,000 golfer, fill out your lineup how you found, how you see fit, and then pivot from that 11K golfer to an 8K golfer. I know it's weird. I've done it personally. Um, I, I don't really, I do track success and stuff like that uh, just on a overall level, but not a individual lineup level. I'm not sure how some of those lineups have done in the past. But I also am a break-even DFS golfer, so I feel like it hasn't really hurt me in the past. Either way, looking at salaries, it is very interesting to see not many top 10K and above golfers inside the top five or top 10. Like, that's, that's very troubling, honestly. Uh, doesn't give me any confidence when it comes to, you know trying to use up all 50,000 and having multiple 10K golfers in my lineup. Multiple meaning maybe two, maybe three. Um, I'm not gonna high, like, I'm not gonna shy away from it, but it's definitely a pause for concern. Um, I do have some other pieces of, of stats over here. You can see the percentage of golfers inside the top 10, not even golfers, percentage of salaries inside the top 10. 10K and above, 5.4% of top 10 golfers uh, or top 10 salaries over the last three years, 8.11%, that 9K to 10K range. And then your bulk is in the eight, not eight to nine, seven to eight and below 7K. Your number one, if we want to call this a bucket for salaries is 7K to 8K. So maybe that's where we start with our lineups. Start with our best seven or 8K golfer or you know both, maybe two or three, grab two or three of them and anchor our lineups with those golfers. You know, based off of salary, that's probably the way to go. And maybe we can pivot to eight to nine or even below seven. And then the last piece of information I like to do is really look at, um, this would be incorrect. So we have, This is a manual thing that I do. It's not a an actual look, but obviously the percentage 
percentages change once I change this. But your winners, 74, 82, and 72, now are reflected here. Salaries come, or I mean, the winners come in that salary range of seven to eight or eight to nine. So again, another good reason to start our lineups there. So now that we have that covered, let's get to the last piece of information I wanna cover, and that's gonna be going over recent form. So what I intend to do uh, with this to show you guys top recent form coming into this tournament and how well they've done year in and year out dating back to 2014. So when we look at 2020, uh, Brendan Todd was coming into this with decent recent form, not the greatest, but decent recent form. Um, but let me go ahead and sort this from best recent form to worst recent form. Um, as you can see, here's the result of the tournament here. In 2020, we had a, a pretty decent amount of golfers who finished inside the top 20 uh, for the top 20 recent form golfers. So that's worth mentioning because if we wanted to target, say, the best golfers coming into this tournament based off a of recent form, here's your proof. You know, like 2020 looks pretty good. We have only one missed cut, and that was Jason Day, who was a favorite. So it's it's worth mentioning, right? One of those 11K golfers who didn't do well actually missed the cut. But the other golfers, you know, 7K range, 8K range. I mean, um, let's see here. Yeah, Harris English, even, even Brian Gay last year was good here. Uh, Billy Horschel was actually a golfer who was kind of a high-priced guy finishing inside the top 10. Um, I want to double-check. Was he there? Oh, yeah, okay. So looking at your top recent form, at least for last year, looked good. And if I keep scrolling down, we don't see a lot of missed cuts until, you know, we get down to our top 30 range, I guess. Um, and it kind of mixes in some top 20s with some missed cuts. But again, there's Brennan Todd. He was the 62nd best recent form in the field. And this is out of 132 golfers. So he was dead middle of recent form, ended up winning the tournament. You can obviously see Robert Streb, just a couple points better on recent form. Finished 14th, not terrible. But then we come down here a little bit more and we see a couple golfers in the optimal lineup with worst recent form, finishing second. And then two golfers, well, Joel Damon finished sixth, Aram Anser finished eighth. So, you know, recent form does look good, you know, when we look at the top. But obviously we had some of our optimal lineup golfers kind of in the middle of the pack when it comes to recent form now if we kind of flip it and look at you know well i guess this is empty recent form so matt kuchar was coming in here with no tournaments under his belt leading into this tournament but you know everyone who didn't have recent form didn't do the greatest but missed cuts is kind of what we're looking at next right so let's go like this and this yeah, I guess missed cuts doesn't look good. You know, bad recent form does not look good. Although we do have two golfers, really, that finished top 11 that were not good uh, recent form. I don't intend to spend this much time looking at recent form every single year, but I do want to go ahead and just sort uh, by best recent form and then flip it, look at worst recent form 
Um, so your best recent form, again, in 2019, we have a, a bunch of golfers inside the top 20. Now we do see a few more missed cuts, but for the most part, when we scroll down a little bit more, we see nothing but top 20 finishes. So worth mentioning 2019, finding those recent form golfers, the good recent form golfers are going to be important. Uh, actually, why don't we flip that in 2018? Look at our worst recent form golfers. Uh, one golfer who had a, a couple, well, just one miscut, Jim Furyk at 6,900, finished sixth. Uh, another guy, you know, close to that 80 mark, uh, Anurban Lahiri had a 10th place finish. Now that's interesting because when we look at his last year's stat, it, can we find some kind of correlation with that? No. Nah. Well, yeah. So anyone that kind of has that 60 to 80 recent form with a top 20 the year before, not terrible. You know, we had that in 2020. We have that in 2019. Uh, and actually have two of them in 2019, technically. Let's go ahead and sort these back by the result because we're going to come back and look at this like in a bucket way. 2018. Here are our top recent form guys. Now we have a couple more missed cuts and a couple more withdraws. So that's worth noting, but still a healthy number of top 20s um, with good recent form. And we scroll down, we still see, you see a second place, a first place. Those are great to look at. That's good to see. So good recent form again at this tournament is gonna matter. Uh, when we flip it and we look at the worst recent form coming into this, um, we have that same scenario of that 60 to 80 recent form average with a top 20 finish the year before finishing inside the top 20. That's really interesting. Um, now Ryan Blom doesn't really meet that criteria, although he has that. He withdrew last year. I'm not sure why, but there was a withdrawal. So that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, I want to say pertain, but I don't think that's the right word. It just doesn't work with what what we kind of just discovered, what we just figured out, but still worth noting. Going to 2017, looking at the top recent form golfers, a ton of golfers inside the top 20 with minimal missed cuts. Scroll down, we see a couple more missed cuts. We have a fourth and a second. Um, so yeah, very much similar to what we've seen for the last few years, um, we look at the worst recent form coming into this tournament. Obviously, we have some golfers here with no recent form that did well. Um, do we have that same scenario? We don't. So Spencer Levine is the first one when we look at this to break it. And same with Jason Bone. Now, we could see the, the light in all of this. And they both made the cut. I don't know if that's really worth mentioning. You know, really caring about. Uh, and then we have Patrick Rogers who missed the cut. So unfortunately, that little uh, trend kind of dissipated in 2017, which is which is a bummer because it would have been fun to you know really dig into those golfers and see which ones you know I would find as a favorite or whatever. Um, looking at recent form in 2016, again recent form coming in this tournament. These are your top 20 golfers for best recent form heading into this tournament the majority of them finish inside the top 20. Uh, again, still 
this one has a bit more healthy, like a healthy number of missed cuts. When we scroll down, we don't see nearly as many top 20s as we have in the past. So I'm guessing we see more kind of in the middle of the pack as well as kind of like poor recent form, I would assume. So this was the tournament where John Rom and Graham McDowell came over from the European tour, uh, finished, well, Graham finished first, Rom finished 10th. They don't have recent form uh, for any of the PGA Tour events leading into this tournament, but still finished top 10. So that might be worth looking into. Uh, like a European golfer that doesn't have a recent form that, you know, might be doing well on the Euro Tour. Coming down here, again, we kind of get halted with our discovery we just saw not too long ago with, you know, that 60 to 80 recent form, a top 20 the year before, and then a top, you know, 20 for that year. Kind of, kind of halts there. We do see a couple more though. I mean, we do see a lot of top 20s in this range of recent form. This looks like a larger number of golfers with this recent form though like if we were to look i mean i i guess we can count the difference between 2017 and 2016 um pretty close 32 and 38 38 i should say in 2016 it's so only six more golfers so that doesn't really apply that that analysis so we'll leave that alone Still, the, the rule of thumb here is the better the recent form, the better the play. Now we come to a year in 2015 where it, it really didn't. Um, only four golfers inside this top 20 of best recent forms finished inside the top 20 of that, of that tournament. Um, but if we scroll down a little bit, do we see a little bit more? Yeah, uh, this middle point finds a lot of top 10 golfers, so it's it's worth mentioning. Now, this is your top 45, you know, where Sean Stephanie is. This is one of those years where a lot of golfers was just kind of middle of the pack, recent form, did well. Um, but I guess we can also look at the golfers, you know, with good recent form. Are any of these guys even relevant today? And can we think about when these golfers did well uh, or that had this good recent form? Um can we even, like, obviously, can we remember their name? Are they even relevant? You know, Tony Finau, sure. I just noticed something when I was talking about this. Look where the cutoff is. Like, we only have 15 golfers with a recent form of 40 or better. And that's 40th finishing position or better. Uh, We had 30. 30 exactly in 2016. We had um, 35 in 2017. So when we look at 2015, 14, that's, that's less than half. So it, it makes sense that golfers with recent form coming into this tournament doesn't look good. You know, their recent form didn't look good. Um, and when we flip this, we probably see a few more golfers with bad recent form doing well. Our winner comes from here. So it's worth mentioning, has to be, right, that... If the recent form was just terrible for this tournament, it doesn't really apply to the other years. You can't really include that with the analysis. Uh, this looks like a healthier dose of, of golfers inside the top 20, but not are like uh, recent form better than, than 40th place, but not by much. 21 golfers, but 
just having seven more provides a few more top 20s. Uh, and really, I'd say two more top 20s. And when we scroll down, yeah, not the greatest. So it looks like middle of the pack, recent form, maybe bad recent form. Um, yeah, we see a couple top 10s. 15th, come down here a little bit. So it really goes on how many do we see? You know, that is a very important question. How many golfers have a recent form 40 or better? And if it's a, a high number, you know, when we look at 2021, I think it's fair to say we're going to see more of those golfers inside the top 10 than any of the other ranges. So when we go ahead and sort by recent form, how many do we have? We have 30. So I would say we're probably going to find six or eight golfers in this group of 30 that will finish inside the top 10 or top 20, um, which is really good. I would say when salaries come out, we probably want to look to see which ones are our 7 and 8K golfers and maybe stick to those guys. You know, anchor our lineups with those guys and maybe, you know, include Justin Thomas or Brooks Kepka. Um, one last little piece of, of data or information I want to provide is if I if we were to group these into buckets, I kind of created the percentages down here. I have this for every single tournament. I just don't go over it. Um, but when we look at the percentage of golfers inside the top 10, this reads just like a bucket system. But I have this year by year, not, you know, you know, accumulation of all of the tournaments and then their percentages based off of what we've seen. You can, this is the total number of golfers in these recent form buckets. So, and again, that's this would just be for 2014. Um, I would say this, keep your eyes to, to the percentage amounts um, because I think that's probably the more important thing than looking at just the raw numbers. So in 2014, it was pretty even amongst recent form under 20 20 to 40 40 to 60 like we've seen that that right there seven golfers uh i mean it averages out to be around 20 percent for each of those buckets but it was kind of even all the way across the board in 2014. uh in 2015 really we saw a lot of golfers with that recent form 40 to 60 but again we didn't see a lot of golfers period we had 14 like we said uh, with recent form of 40 or better, but three of them, you know, which is a pretty good number, three out of 14 finished, uh, inside the top 20. And that ended up being 20% of golfers inside the top 10. When we look at 2016, I now include course history, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, I, I, Basically, our analysis throughout this entire time is when there are more golfers with recent form of 40 or better, there are more of those golfers inside the top 10. So obviously when this number grows, I guess when the total number grows, as does the top 10s for those groups. And obviously that makes sense. But we're not saying the more the recent form 60 to 80 grows, the more we see them inside the top 10. I mean, this grows a little bit slower than, say, these do. So I don't know the right terminology to use, but the higher this number, the more we see just, I guess, if we're like using a ratio, 
the ratio is going to be higher with more golfers in these two buckets than say any of these buckets um but yeah you can all also see the numbers here uh 50 recent form 60 or better kind of concerning um although 12 and a half did not have a recent form heading into the tournament in 2016. 2017 uh we actually had 35 golfers and eight finished inside the top 10 which is remarkable like that's really important to note that i mean just looking at your top well i don't want to include the 40 to 60 because there are so many golfers like there are 38 just in that 40 to 60 recent form bucket in 2017 as opposed to 35 for these two buckets here the under 20 and 20 to 40 so really 40 and under um and these numbers would dwarf this one obviously you can see the numbers on the screen but it doubles that that number uh 2018 we see 43 golfers with recent form 40 or better and only five finish inside the top 10 so that is kind of concerning that's not a good thing to see the 40 to 60 bucket kind of goes down you know in numbers and it also goes down in golfers that finish inside the top 10 but not by much um this was kind of more dominated by that recent form 60 to 80 which is it's very interesting honestly I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, when we look at 20, let me double check something first. Okay. Uh, in 2019, we had 37 with that 40 and below, and we find eight. So I think that's kind of, you know, what we end up finding year in and year out. It's very close to those numbers. Obviously, we just looked at a year where it didn't pan out that way, but for the most part, it kind of does. You know, 2020, our last year to look at, uh, we had 30 golfers with that 40 and below recent form, four of them. So not a very good number, um, but it kind of stays consistent. Yeah, I mean, I think on average, what is it, nearly 40%? Some are actually 40 to 60%. I'd say minimum is 40. This ends up being 37 and a half. Yeah, this one wasn't good in 2015. 2014 would be 30, 36. So I guess 36 to 66%, we see a lot of golfers in that 40 and below recent form average. Um, and when we look at, again, the golfers here, we obviously have a lot of good names with 20 and, and below. Brooks, JT, Will Zalatoris, Harris English, uh, Russell Henley, all good golfers that we can choose from. The 20 to 40 range is also compelling. Like Scott Piercy is, is worth a consideration. Daniel Berger for sure. Same with Tony Finau, Victor Ovlin, Abram Anser, Carlos Ortiz. Um, I like the fact that these golfers are in these recent form averages. Just notice something. What is up with that white line. Oh, I get it. It's the sunlight. Let's see if I can get rid of that.
There you go. I didn't even notice that was there. Uh, anyways. So looking at recent form, we definitely have a very good selection of golfers to pick from. I have good recent form, but we also have to remember this tournament has not been kind to favorite golfers for high price golfers. Uh, and it, it's worth mentioning. So it might, the, the strategy might be to fade some of these guys. If you want to take that route, absolutely understand why. Um, this could be a year where it doesn't matter. You know, JT wants that win. I could see it happening. You know, he'd been fighting so hard over the last, you know, six, seven weeks that it's due, right? I mean, a fourth, a second, a 12th, those finishes for JT, those are his worst finishes. And, you know, in good fields, you could say. Um, even Brooks showing up at the Masters. Who knows? This isn't a big tournament, so maybe Brooks doesn't show up. But it's it's really based on your guys's um conviction levels. How do you feel about some of these guys? Uh, I don't know if I am going to be afraid to roster JT. I almost think that that guy can play a golf tournament with his eyes closed and still finish inside the top twenty. I feel relatively safe playing someone like Justin Thomas. Um, and if I'm going to do any ownership, I might go overweight, like tremendously overweight. At least start there. And then what I told you, maybe I pivot to an 8K golfer. Like that is a possibility. So um, all things worth considering. And hopefully it provided you guys, you know, some really good insight as to where to start your lineups with, what to consider when creating lineups. Um, I will have a course fit video later today where I will be looking at basically the golf course, doing a little rundown, a little breakdown of, you know, a hole by hole analysis to see what shot shape matters. Uh, and if any of these golfers really fit that mold of golfer that I think is going to do well here. So be ready for that to drop sometime tonight. Um, and that will have the updated DraftKings salaries. Although we won't really talk about salaries that much. And then I will have a strategy video out on Tuesday. So with that, thank you guys for watching. Please leave a like, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And I will see you soon. Okay. Bye.